Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. removed from being slaves. Now the children of Israel, they've been turned into soldiers by the routine of ruts. They've been marching in the wilderness. They're circling out of disobedience and they've put their promise off now for 40 years. It's been long enough. So now Joshua has picked up the reins of leadership from Moses and he's crossed over the uh, uh, Jordan River and they have come to a place where there's a fortified city called Jericho. And most of you, as I said last week, remember the story because you learned it uh, on a flannel graph or in children's church, and you, you even know the motions. All the walls come tumbling down. And so now they've won this victory, and that is the first domino, and it has been toppled. And now for the next seven to ten years, uh, the children of Israel march through what we call the promised land, And they win victory after victory. In fact, if you go and look at it carefully, what you discover is that the children of Israel over those seven to ten years dethrone and topple 31 different kings that had set up residence in that land that we called the promised land. Now, they have taken the possession. So we've been following this journey now for almost two months. In fact, today will be two months. And what we've done over the course of the last three weeks is this. We remembered our promises. Uh, For those of you that have been here the entire time, you should have a sheet of paper on it where you've listed your promises, the promises that God has made to you. In week two, we talked about our participation in those promises. So on your paper, you should have a list of the things that you have to do to take part in fulfilling those promises. And then last week, we began to talk about the fact, uh, and hopefully you spent all week doing this, Seven days circling a walled off area of your life. The last holdout. The last, the first domino, but the last holdout of the area of your life. Whether it was depression, whether it was anxiety, whether it was fear, whether it was lust, whatever it was. We said this is the last holdout in our, our life where we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to penetrate. So it seems like every time we're about to get into the promise, this thing raises its ugly head. And we've spent the entire week circling this one thing, not out of disobedience, but rather out of obedience targeting this one thing. It was a squatter. It was something or someone that had history but no authority. Remember that was a key phrase last week because a lot of us are dealing with issues in our life that have history but no authority. And so those things have set up and now we said for the last week we've targeted those things so I believe what should have been taking place is walls. That's why your worship was a little different this morning. Walls should have fallen all week long in your life. And so just like the children of Israel, it's time now to experience the fullness of the promise. And I told you that this week we would figure out how to walk into our promise. So here we go. I want to do this first. I want to remind you of three occasions in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 15, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to allude to it. What we discover in Exodus chapter 15 in verse 24 The Bible says that the children of Israel were a three-day march inside the wilderness. They had just left Egypt. They're now three days into the wilderness, and they, they get thirsty. Duh, it's a wilderness. It's a desert, right? They're thirsty. They're thirsty. 
they're not hangry yet. They're just thirsty. Now, they will get hangry here in a moment. Y'all, some of y'all don't know what hangry is. It's when you're so hungry, you get mad, right? So here we are in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24. It says this, the, and it, this is not an exact uh, reading. I'm just paraphrasing. It says, the people grumbled against Moses. One version says they quarreled with God. And they begin to say to, to, to Moses, they cry out and they say, we've got to have water because all they've experienced is the, the bitter water of Mara. And so now they're looking for fresh water and they're desperate and they cry out to God. So now that's in Exodus chapter 15. The, the scene repeats itself. Now they're hangry in Exodus chapter 16 verse 3, but this time it's about food. In Exodus chapter 16 verse 3, it says once again that they cry out to God. They, they quarrel with Moses, they quarrel with God, and they cry out for food. And the Bible says that God sends manna and quail. Angel food and quail, right? Then we repeat it again. Exodus chapter 17 verses 2 and 3. They are thirsty once again and they grumble against Moses. They quarrel with God. And you know this account. This is where Moses strikes the rock and water comes out. Okay? We're all caught up. So in each of these instances, the children of Israel are crying out to God for their basic needs. They cry out to God. You missed it. They cry out to God. Can I tell you that uh, another way to say this is that they are making their, their, their petitions known to God. Now that, that, that caught some of your ear there because you've been in church long enough to hear that phrase before. Because in its essence, what I'm saying then is that as they are crying out for the basic needs that they have in their life, here it is, they're praying. That's that's. Crucial there, because if you boil it all down, it, that, that, that is the most basic definition of prayer. I'm making my needs known to God. Anybody agree with me? That's the basic definition. Okay, it's key. You got to guess that. They're making, they're praying. Now, I recognize that the way they're praying is, it puts us off a little bit because they're praying uh, through their grumbling and their complaining. But I want us to cut them a break. Let's, let, let, let's, let's give them a little, little slack here, a little grace here, because uh, they were in the wilderness, right? And it's been hot, like Oklahoma heat times 10, all right? They, they're, they're marching to nowhere, it seems like. They find themselves day after day, no food or water, the, the, the horizon never changes. And I just have a question, wouldn't our prayers in that situation begin to sound an awful lot like their prayers in that situation. Like when you've been passed over for the promotion that you've been wanting and everybody else is getting it for the last two years other than you. Like like they begin to cut your hours at work and it's tight right now. Don't our prayers begin to sound an awful like, because we want to be tough on them, but when everybody else is finding true love, and everybody else is getting married, and now I'm getting older, and and, and the clock is ticking, and mom and dad won't leave me alone about when I'm supposed to get married, and where are my grandchildren, and then all of a sudden, don't our prayers sound an awful lot like the children of Israel? We complain, and we whine a little bit, and in essence, we're making our petitions known. That's prayer. But I want you, for the moment, to lay aside the tone and the tenor of their prayer. And I want you to hear this truth instead. 
that before the promise is possessed, they prayed for what they needed. Are you with me? Okay, now I want us to fast forward because we're going to talk about how to get into the promised land and how to stay there. We fast forward to the end of the story. Now they've taken possession of the promised land. 31 kings have fallen. And it's time that, that we contrast what they did then till they do now. Joshua is about to die. He knows it. He's about to exit the scene. And he recognizes that. And so he stands up before the children of Israel at the end of the story. And he begins to remind them of all the covenants they've made to God. And he encourages them to obey the covenants that they've made to God so that they will be blessed. And then he makes a statement. And he says something in this statement that I'm going to read to you that shows us the contrast, the difference between the wilderness and promised land and how to get there. All right, are you with me? I want you to listen very carefully what he says because he's in Canaan. He stands up and Canaan is this rich agricultural environment and I want you to see what he says. It's found in Joshua chapter 24 verse 13. Listen to what he says. He says, this is God talking through him. He says, I handed you a land for which you did not work, towns you did not build, and here you are now living in them. Here it is. And eating from vineyards and olive groves, you did not plant. Okay. So I just read this, this passage to you that I have read in my life on multiple occasions. And when I've read it, I look just like you look right now. Which is, what does that have to do with anything and especially with me? But I'm going to help you. Because I've helped me. And so since I've been helped, I'm going to help you. Are we on the same? Okay. So if we're going to move out of a wilderness experience and get into promised land and stay in promised land, then here it is. We must learn to thank God for what we used to have to pray for. Okay, so so but before they get in the promised land, they have to pray and believe for food. But now that they're in the promised land, Joshua, speaking for God, says, Look, I've given you a land, and everywhere you go, you don't have to do anything. There's just food, and it's abundant. There's vineyards you can drink from. There's olive groves that you can eat from. You didn't have to do anything. Nothing. That's, that sounds like promised land to me. So, so they go from this place in the wilderness where we have to beg and cry out, God, we need water. We're dying of thirst here. Now they're in the promised land and there's more than abundance to drink from. And so all of a sudden they had to learn to change their prayers. Listen to this. Because of the evidence of God's goodness, it was so apparent that they, that they had to move from prayer to praise. So, 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 so do you see it? That in the wilderness, we have to cry out and pray and petition. But in the promised land, it's already provided. Okay, so, so here's how this works. In the wilderness, I had to, I, I was, my prayer life was consumed with, God, I need your help to pay my bills. But when I graduate to promised land, my bills are no longer a concern. Now, here's the, here's the dilemma. We don't often recognize that. And I'm going to get to that. 
But in the wilderness, I have to beg and pray for for joy. I I need joy, oh God. But I know I'm in the promised land when I recognize that the joy of the Lord who is in me is my strength. So now I no longer have to pray for that joy. I just, as a normative part of my day, I operate in the spirit of joy because of who is in me. In the wilderness, I have to pray and beg, God, I need you to give me peace. I need you to help me. My world is chaos. Everything around me is falling apart. I need you to give me peace. When I graduate to promised land, I suddenly recognize that if I keep my mind stayed on Christ, that the peace that passes all understanding is in me, and I don't have to operate in chaos anymore. That is the difference. I, I, in the wilderness, I petition and I pray. In the, in the promised land, I simply walk out what is in me. And the lesson is, is this, is, is that some of us need to recognize that the season in our life has changed. And therefore, our approach should change. Our, our attitude has to change. And the, the reason I say that is because some of us are still approaching God like we're in the wilderness, even though without us recognizing it, we've already moved into the promise and we keep approaching God as if we're still out in the wilderness. So in the wilderness, I was overcome with worry. But I graduated the promised land, but I didn't recognize it. So now, I go into my prayer closet and I beat God's door down saying, God, help me with the worry in my life. The worry's gone. It's just the fact that you didn't realize the season in your life changed. You don't have as much to worry about. Uh, th- this is what happens. Uh, uh, we, we, we spend our time asking and we spend our time asking and we keep praying for stuff. We, we say stuff like this. I, 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 I had fret in the wilderness and, and now without even recognizing it, I've graduated in the promised land and yet I still carry that fret around like bondage and baggage and I won't lay it down thinking I'm still out in the desert not even recognizing that I've moved into the promised land. So it is possible to be in a season, I'm just going to use peace for an example. It is possible to be in a season where you need to ask for peace. Yes. That, that is possible. But it is also possible to walk into a season where you have so much peace in your life that you don't have to ask for it anymore. Instead, you begin to thank Him for the peace that He's already provided. So isn't that the promise anyway? We've been talking about promised land. Isn't that the promise? Come on now, let's be honest. We talk about the promises of God, and Jesus made a promise that I'm going to reference, but it's not enough to start just say the promises. We've got to actually possess the promise and live in the promise. Here's the promise. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. So, so, so if that's the promise he's made, in other words, I've come so that you don't have to keep praying for stuff that you have, you should have so much of because I have set up residence in your life. Y'all missed it. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Why, why are we still out here and acting like we're in the wilderness praying for joy when, when we have accepted Christ into our life? He, he, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I came into relationship with the Lord. So inside of me, there's a reservoir of joy that I must recognize. I don't even need to ask him for joy anymore. I just thank him for the fact that I have joy. Are you, are you tracking with me? 
Because if we don't catch this, this is, Jesus is literally saying in this statement that I'm in your life so that instead of spending your time asking, you spend your time thanking. Not just life, but life more abundant. Abundant joy, abundant healing, abundant provision, abundant rest. So like the children of Israel, if we identify our promise, which you should have done, and we participate in the promise, which you should have been doing all along, and you target and circle the last holdout of your life, then what I would say to you this morning is this. It's time to shift our prayer life to a praise life. Got three people. I said it's time to shift your prayer life to a praise life. So, so we need to get awakened to the... I wanted to say woke, but some of y'all don't even... Okay, I want to say we, we need to get woke to the fact that His goodness and His mercy follow us. That's one of the promises. So why, are we, why do we keep praying for His goodness if the promise is... It's following me. Why do I keep praying for His mercy if it's following me? You see, there's a transition here we got to make. And so, so I, I just came to inform some of you. I, I know this is going to be a shocker. I know this is going to be, this is going to mess you up. Because you keep looking around with your natural eyes. And you've missed the truth that I'm getting ready to share with you. Are Are you ready for the surprise? Here you are. You're in the promised land. You're there. You've arrived. But until you change your approach and quit approaching God like you're still a slave out in the desert walking in the ruts, and now you're like, I don't see the promises you're in the you can miss the promises. You can miss the promised land if you don't change your approach. And the approach changes this. You've got to recognize that you've graduated and now your prayers change from prayers of petition to praise. See, some of you were so comfortable in the wilderness with complaining that even though you're now in the promised land, you continue to approach God the same way you used to approach Him. And not only that, you will, still, you will look for things to complain about. Ooh, that went over huge. Why do we do that? Because we didn't recognize we came out of the wilderness. I think God even, I think He gets tired of it, but I think He understands why we're complaining in the wilderness. But in the promised land, why are we complaining? We're, we're drinking and eating from stuff we didn't even work for. We're, 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 we're accessing provision that He made that we didn't even ask for. We didn't do anything for it. I didn't sacrifice for it. I didn't die on the cross for it. He did. And now, instead of sitting here complaining like I would if I was in the wilderness because I'd need to do this by myself, I should be standing in the promised land going, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the sacrifices you made. Thank you for the provision that's in my life. Thank you for the authority I have. Quit acting like you're in the wilderness when you're in the promised land. It's time to change our prayers of petition to prayers of praise. I want to tell you this morning that the indication of whether or not you're in the wilderness or maybe whether you're in the promised land is whether you spend all your time requesting rather than rejoicing. 
Come on, evaluate your prayer life right now. Do you spend more time requesting than you spend rejoicing? Then you might still be in the wilderness or you could be in the promised land and haven't recognized it yet. And you spend all your time giving God your list. A to Z, I need this, 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 this. Instead of stopping for just a moment and go, wait a minute, I'm, I'm experiencing freedom that I didn't do anything for. I'm experiencing victories that I didn't even fight. I'm in the promised land and this stuff is happening in my life. And so instead of giving him my list of all the stuff I want, instead I just need to throw up my hands and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, we got to learn this, this lesson. You can tell if you're in the wilderness or in the promised land because you will spend your time praying rather than partaking. Some of y'all still praying for peace and joy and all this stuff. Instead of just walking into it as normative, everyday life. Can I just tell you that peace should be normal for you? Can I just tell somebody in the room that joy should be normal for you? You ought to wake up in the morning and have joy. You, 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 provision ought to be normal for you. Okay, I can't get much help, so, so i got to learn this lesson because we need to also realize that Thanksgiving not only affects us, it also moves God. I know God will respond to complaining. Sometimes you don't like the way he responds. By the way, go back and read the stories. It wasn't always pleasant when they complained and grumbled. God did respond, but it wasn't always nice. All right. But what I've discovered is that God, one of the reasons that we need to, uh, to graduate into promised land and take our, our, our prayer life to a praise life is that God responds to thanksgiving. That's why David said, come and magnify the Lord with me. Wait a minute. I can't make God any bigger than he already is. How can I magnify him? All he's saying is this. If I would change my prayer life to a praise life, I get my eyes off of my problems and I begin to look at God and all of a sudden my perspective of God magnifies and it increases. And now as I begin to thank him, God will live up to what we say about him. Come on, ladies, don't you know that the man in your life always lives up to what you say about him? If you say that he's a, he's a knight in shining armor, isn't it interesting that all of a sudden he'll wash the dishes every once in a while? Isn't it interesting, man? You're my hero. And all of a sudden, without nagging him, he'll pick up his dirty clothes. But if he walks in the house and say, you're a bum, I can't believe you. You left the toilet seat up. You left the clothes in the floor. Don't you know he'll set his rear down on the couch and say, I ain't helping you a bit. What's going on? Your thanksgiving and your praise is causing him to live up to what you say about him. God reacts the same way. And when we say, you're the provider of my joy. You're the provider of my peace. You've given me all of the provision I need. I thank you. I praise you. Then God goes, ooh, I like that. And if you think that's good, wait and see what I'll do now. And he will expand. But not only does thanksgiving impact God, it impacts us. I don't know if y'all figured this out, but the reason we push you to come in here and to praise God with everything that's got in you, that you've got in you, is not just for God. It's not even just for you. It's some of it's for the people around you. That's why in the New Testament it says that we should sing songs and psalms and spiritual songs. Because as I begin to thank God, the people around me that are going through trials that may still be out in the wilderness, they come to this conclusion. If God can do it for that guy, then certainly he can probably still do it for me. If 
he could do that for that lady, I know that lady, and she's messed up from the floor up, but you did it for her, God, and if you did it for her, then surely you can do it for me. And all of a sudden, people march out of the wilderness into the promised land because of your thanksgiving. And if that was enough, if that was all, that would be enough. But there's more to even that. Because not only does our thanksgiving move God, and not, not only does it impact and affect us, it also impacts our enemies. I, I just need you to go back to the story for a moment. Because this is what I discovered in the campaign into the promised land. The Bible says that the nations, before the children of Israel would get to their area, the, the Bible says that word would go out ahead of them about what their God was capable of. And there are instances in the promised land where the kings heard that the children of Israel were coming and they had to make a decision. We either make peace or we get out. Y'all missed it. We either make peace or we get out. I'm just trying to teach you this morning that if some of you would move from a prayer life to a praise life and you would begin to thank God for everything that he's done in your life, the enemies of your life would have to come to a conclusion. I either need to make peace with him or I got to get out. I got to exit the scene. I got to let go. I got to get I got to get out of dodge. I got to run for the hills. And for some of us, if we would just learn to praise, then the result would be that the enemies would experience defeat or they would experience exit. And as you learn to be thankful and as you learn to magnify God, it causes your enemies to line up or get out. And this is what I want you to know. You know you are entering. Listen, you Catch this. You know you are entering promised land when your worship becomes a weapon. Come on, worship team. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, worship team. See, some of y'all come in here to worship because it gives you goosebumps. I got to get my goosebump fixed this week. Makes me feel good. I don't care if it makes you feel good. What I want to know is it is at any point in the exchange... During your worship, do you suddenly recognize that the songs that you're singing is more than just feel good, it's fighting. Our worship, when we're in promised land, becomes a weapon. In in literal terms, what Joshua has just informed the Israelites is this. Your God has caused your enemies to provide for you. Y'all missed it. Anybody else want to get there? I want to get to the place where the enemies of my life that wanted to curse me, when they stand up to curse me, they have to bless me. I want to get to the place in my life where the enemies of my life stand up and they want to bankrupt me and instead they have to bankroll me. And all of a sudden, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And all of a sudden, no weapon formed against me can prosper. Instead, I come to this place in my life that I'm so filled with thanksgiving and worship that there's warfare going on and the enemies in my life hear the sound before I ever get there and they say we're out, we're out because God is on his way, God is on his way and what I want to challenge you this morning is to, I know you came in here with cares, I know you came in here with concerns, I know you came in here downcast, I know you came in here disappointed but the question I have for you this morning, is there anybody that has recognized that you're no longer in the wilderness instead I'm in the promised land 
saying and so I can't pray about it I'm going to praise my way out of it could I get anybody to stand up and worship the Lord for just a few moments like you've been set free like you've been set free come on worship team lead us into this song
for all the promises that you've given us. We exalt you, Jesus. We thank you that you know about all of our needs and you go before us. And so, Father, this morning, I just simply pray over these folks that, God, you would help us this week to graduate, that we would move from a prayer life to a praise life. Father, I pray that this week, this week, this week, we would wake up to the fact that we're no longer in the wilderness where we have to beg you and cry out and plead and bargain and negotiate. There are things that you've given to us as part of the promised land that you want us to inhabit and possess and live in. Set us up in residence in that we don't have to ask for anymore. They're ours. Joy, peace, a sound mind, protection, provision, healing. All of these things that you've given us as part of the promises. And I just pray that this week we would wake up and our approach would change. And our mouth would be filled with thanksgiving and praise. And I pray that as we magnify you, that you would swell up and you would do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we could even ask for or even think of. I pray that this week as we fill our mouth with praise as a weapon, that those around us would be moved and they would want what we have. And they would recognize that if you did it for me, you can do it for them. And their faith would increase. And Father, I pray that as our mouth is filled with thanksgiving this week, our enemies, they, they would lean in. What's that sound? What is, what is that? I, I hear it from a distance, but, but, but it kind of unsettles me just a little bit. I, I, I've lived here a long time. I've got history. I just don't have any authority. And I, I hear a sound. What's that sound? It, 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 ooh, I don't like that sound. I pray, I pray that the enemies of our life would recognize the sound, the war sound, the war cry of praise that precedes us. And we would march in as they march out. I pray that you would do that as we're faithful to praise you this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Okay, so now I could let you go home right now and you'd say, ooh, we had a good service, man. But we need the practical step. Here it is. Ooh, this one's going to be the toughest one of all. I thought writing all the promises. No, that's, that's tough, but that ain't the toughest one of all. I thought, thought my participation, I mean, I had to actually do stuff. That's hard. Not the hardest one of all. The walled city is kind of difficult. It took seven days. Here it is. The practical step is this. For the next seven days to 14 days. Let's get really bold. For the next 14 days. Anybody ready for a practical step? Okay. For the next 14 days, no requests. You're on a no request line with God. But, but, but wait a minute, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know the bills I got coming due. You don't know the fact that today my car's running fine, but tomorrow I don't know where it broke down. And you expect me not to go to God and say, God, I need your help. You don't know. You're right, I don't. But he does. Ain't nothing surprised him. He knew what you were going to face this coming week. The beauty of moving out of the wilderness into the promised land is he went before you. He got there before you. 
He, he prepared a place for you. He prepared. No, y'all didn't get it. He prepared. Before you ever step foot in there, he got you. So now, for the next 14 days, I'm because it takes about 14 days for some of us to get a habit. Here it is. Our prayer life graduates to a praise life. Okay, now you say, well, that sounds, that sounds crazy. I know, because I went through it this morning. I'm the one preaching the message, and I went through it this morning. I woke up this morning praying, God, I need you to help me. I need you to anoint me. I even prayed for y'all. I was like, God, there are going to be some people in here that they need to hear this. And I'm asking you. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit called me and said, what you doing asking for stuff you already got? I was like, whoa, I hate it when the preacher has to listen to his own sermon. And, and I had to change. And instead, I got up out of bed doing this. God, I thank you that I'm anointed. I thank you that you can do what I can't do. I'm, I thank you. I thank you that the people in the building are going to get what I know they're going to get what they need from you because you got here before we got here you knew they were going to get here so it's difficult even for those of us that have been in it a long time it is extremely difficult because the Bible doesn't say make your petitions known to God but why don't you graduate six foot baby anybody remember January we're maturing here we talked about that in January we're maturing here we're trying to grow let's grow up to a different level let's graduate. Amen. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, I think I can do it. Come on, tell him. I think I can. 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 And then you can be seated this morning. Come on, Austin. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 